Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite, and joining us is Dylan Callahan Crowley from the Penn State Rivals site. He is a Penn State beat reporter. He's going to break down everything to know for this upcoming matchup uh, at Penn State for Rutgers. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dylan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Interesting time uh, for both teams. Rutgers coming off of a the by far their worst performance of the year. Yeah. Penn State coming off of its uh, loss against Ohio or Michigan this past weekend. Obviously, Penn State just fired its offensive coordinator. How has the season gone overall for Penn State? Uh, I know that fans have to be a little bit down because it seems like it's the same script for you guys every year. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, fans are going to see this season as a disappointment, I think, uh, to say the least. This was a team that People thought could be finally the team that gets over the, the hump of Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, I mean, Ohio State, this is the worst Ohio State team uh, we've seen probably in quite a while, even though they're still, uh, you know, 10-0. Uh, they're probably going to go 11-0 after Minnesota this weekend. This isn't exactly, I think, a world-beater Ohio State team. The defense is elite, but that offense is kind of just only above average for once, which is weird to say. Um, and that Michigan team... I think is obviously a very good Michigan team, but that's a team of, you know, Penn State brings any resemblance of an offense last week. A team Penn State probably could have had a good chance of beating. Uh, and at least if Penn State goes 11-1, you have a win over one of those, still have a chance at the college football playoffs. But to miss, uh, to not win either of those games, finish the season 10-2, which Penn State fans have gone used to to say the least over the last few years since 2016 i think they've done so uh not counting the COVID year every year but one uh, there may have been a nine and three season there uh but um yeah fans are disappointed but at the end of the day i think this is still a very good penn state team uh, the defense is obviously a national championship caliber defense which i think is also the tough part for fans because if the offense was even marginally better this is a team that could have competed for uh, a national championship. I don't know if they would have won it, but I think they could have maybe won a playoff game and gone to the national championship game. But, yeah, so Penn State fans are definitely seeing this one as a disappointment, and I think going into the last two weeks of the season, there's not really a ton of excitement for, uh, you know, for these last two games and the bowl game just because uh, they're, they're pretty upset about the way the Ohio State and Michigan games went because even though they were – you know, one possession games for the most part. Penn State never really felt like they're in either one, and uh, that's that's tough for Penn State fans to swallow right now. Yeah, I, I know the most significant news um, was just uh, Franklin firing OC Mike Yersich. Yep. Uh, yep. What can we kind of expect from the Penn State offense with uh, its co-OCs now and Juwan Sider and Ty Howell, but it sounds like it's yep. more Sider than Howell? I mean... Yeah, um, both are going to be calling plays this week, according uh, to James Franklin, or, or of course, in the next two weeks. Um, 
In terms of difference, I, I think to a degree, there's not going to be a ton of difference. I think Penn's, they, the offense is what it is. They don't have good wide receivers, which makes it tough to throw the ball. I do think they're going to try to get uh, Drew Alar or sorry Drew Aller more involved in the passing game uh, early on. Uh, easy passes has been the hot word for James Franklin over the last few weeks. Um, he against Michigan, he asked Mike Gersich to call some easier passes for Drew to make in that game. And uh, Franklin says he asked for those and they, if anybody watched, they simply never happened. So I think we're going to see that in Rutgers. We're going to see Penn State be willing to throw the ball a little bit more, try to get those easy passes going. I think we're going to see a little bit more creativity. I mean, Mike Yersich, uh didn't really show any creativity this season, which you think maybe showing a little creativity would help in getting your wide receivers open, even if they don't have the necessary talent to get open. Um, but this is a pass attack that struggled against Indiana. I mean, Indiana just gave up 500 yards to Illinois, uh, which I think says a lot more about Penn State's passing offense right now than it does Indiana's, or sorry, Illinois' passing offense. Uh, so I, I don't think expect any major changes, but perhaps I, I don't think the game call the play calling during the game could be any worse, which maybe where you know makes the most difference for Penn State right now. Yeah, I know that there was a viral moment earlier in the season where a beat reporter asked James Franklin, yeah. like, you know, are we going to start opening up the offense, take some deep shots? Yeah. And I think Franklin saw a hole in that way he asked that question and exploited yeah. it to the max. It's like, we're not just going to throw deep shots for no reason. That is stupid. I would never do that. But I think the sen sentiment was there of opening up the offense and actually trying to extend the field vertically. Do you think you see more of that moving forward now that your sitch is gone? Yeah, I, I think I think they definitely will try. I mean, Yursich, to his credit, did call some deep shots for Drew over the over this season, uh, but we've also seen Drew almost play, for lack of a better word, scared. He clearly is worried about turning the ball over a ton. Once he now once he threw his first interception against Indiana, which I believe remains his only interception on the season, um, he he looked to become more loose, especially throwing a deep ball down in that game to win that game. And then against Maryland, he had a great day. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they'll call us some more deep shots. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure Drew is willing to take those deep shots. He had some opportunities against Michigan. But if he's not going to pull the trigger, it, it doesn't really matter what they're going to call because he's going to check down to his running back or his tight end. I, I think that's probably the biggest area of development that Drew needs to take next year is, you know, be willing to take that deep shot, especially this year. Penn State's had the defense, you would think, that if you you have a turnover, you can trust your defense to get the ball back for you rather quickly and not give a touchdown off of it. And uh, he hasn't uh, – I don't know if it's not – if it's confidence or what, but he hasn't been willing to take those deep shots. Perhaps he doesn't feel comfortable throwing into the tight windows that his receivers are giving him because nobody's getting blazing open. But, yeah – they may call them, but if Drew doesn't take them, it doesn't really matter. That's fair. I've said to anybody who listened this year from watching most of Drew Allen's games, he looks like Josh Allen, but he plays like Derek Carr, where everything yeah. is a check down. Like, if it's not wide open down the field, he's just going to take the underneath, like, easy routes. Mm -hmm. I think I saw a stat that Penn State had the fewest explosive plays yeah. in all of college football in terms of FBS. 
And I think their average air yards per throw was negative this year. So basically what that means is like, you're basically throwing everything either at or behind the line. It might not have been negative. I I think it was the average air yards underneath or the average air yards, uh, before the line, before the first down. So they were averaging like three yards behind the first down on each pass attempt. Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, check down city for Penn State's offense for the most part this year. And, you know, uh, uh, somebody, like you said, has probably watched watched a lot of Penn State's offense. Drew has all all the arm talent and physical tools in the world to be that type of quarterback who can chuck it 40, 50 yards down the field and throw a guy open. He has the arm talent. But, yeah, he's just I, – I don't think he's comfortable throwing it deep. And th- I think that comes back to the coaching staff as well. I don't, I don't know if they're telling him to play it safe more than not, but um, at some point he needs to be willing to take that next step in his uh, in his abilities and trust throwing that deep ball. Um, but I, I think one of the more concerning things with the deep balls recently is um, they're rarely throwing a deep ball, it feels like, in the middle of the field. It's all down the sidelines. And – his accuracy on those has been rough recently because he'll make some passes and he'll just be a non-competitive throw that lands a couple yards out of bounds. And so some of them, he's not even giving his guys a chance to make the catch. The, the funny thing is, and I think the wide receiver core is an issue part, yeah. partially for Penn State too. And I, I said it on our Rutgers pod the other day. I think if you combine both wide receiver cores, you have like an average middle of the pack power five wide receiver core. Yeah. Yeah, Penn State's wide receiver room is pretty rough right now. I, I expect, yeah. I expect some attrition in that room this off season because you, there. It's clear that there's a lot of guys in there they just don't trust playing right now. I mean, they, uh, I don't know. I think they only played five or six wide receivers against uh, against Michigan, but they've been only sticking to about four or five guys routinely. There's a lot of guys that they were playing last year. I mean, there's a sophomore wide receiver, Mari Evans, uh, who in his first li- first game ever as a Denny line last year in the season opener, was on the field on the game-winning drive for Penn State. He played a ton for them last season in mop-up duty. But this season, he's only played in a handful of games. He only has 20 to 30 snaps all season. Um, how does a kid go from being on the field on the game-winning drive in his first game to not being able to sniff the field as a sophomore? And then um, – you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith is great, but incons- can be great, but is inconsistent. Trey Wallace has struggled with injuries this year, and then the rest of the room is kind of just mad right now. Nobody can really find any consistency. They were hoping Dante Cephas would be that guy. He's been inconsistent, doesn't appear to know the playbook a ton, has struggled to get open. Uh, and then Malik McClain, the transfer out of Florida State, started the season off well, but then had a rough game against Illinois in which he dropped uh, two or three passes and kind of has been only seen sparingly since. Rutgers fans should know the name Omari Evans too, because he was a one-time Rutgers commit. Yeah. Uh, so he's out of Texas, kind of weird for us to land him in the first place, uh, but we were really high on him and other teams were too, apparently. Um, we've talked a lot about the, the weaknesses of this Penn state offense, but let's talk about some of the strengths. You guys have a pretty strong offensive line overall, probably a fo- top five overall pick in Olufashanu, this upcoming NFL draft. You've got a pair of running backs who are pretty effective in Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton. you got two pretty good tight ends, too. So let's talk about the strengths of the offense in Penn State. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the the strengths are there. The offensive line is, one, I think, one of the better ones in the country. Uh, they were not a Joe Moore semifinalist, but I think they were right on the cusp of being there. It's an offensive line that a couple years ago, I'm sure everybody remembers, was uh, pretty terrible. Uh, Phil Trowine, it, it took him a year or two to get uh, the bearings under this offensive line, but the last two years have been pretty good. They've taken a big step forward this year. I mean, against Michigan, uh, they were – getting a pretty good push all day long and kept and kept Drew off the ground, which was big. Um, the running backs, like you said, uh, effective. Uh, Katron Allen has been very good this season. Nick Singleton has seemingly lost a step from last year. Uh, he's, he's a kid who has a ton of talent, a ton of speed, but um, I'm not sure it's been the game calling or what they've been trying to coach him to do, but – He's a guy who flourishes going to the outside, yet this season he's been doing a lot of inside running, which has uh, hurt his numbers quite a bit. He has not been nearly as effective as uh, he could have been this year. But coming to the season, this was a running back room that uh, over at Happy Valley Insider that we were preaching could be the best running back room, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. And uh, it's been very good, but it hasn't lived up to that hype this season. But then again, you look across the Big Ten, it's been basically the Travion Henderson show at Ohio State, which is no surprise. But uh, the rest of that room hasn't really stepped up for a couple of reasons this year, injuries, one of them. And then at Michigan, Donovan Edwards, I mean, has been real quiet this year, which I'm not sure anybody expected. Uh, of course, he did have a good game against Penn State. He seems to be one of those guys who uh, wakes up for that game. But, yeah, Penn State's running back room is good, though not as great as it probably should have been this year. And then tight end room, one of the best in the country. Uh, I, I think some fans for Penn State may be disappointed that Theo Johnson hasn't done more, but Penn State has two wide receivers they really trust in the passing game, and uh, they have a couple others coming up. Khalil Dinkins, one. Uh, Andrew Rappelier, who's a freshman there, another. And then um, they have a couple more guys coming through uh, the ranks here uh, in this class as well, upcoming class as well. Just, uh, I guess, going to the other side of the ball, the defense, it's one of the best defenses in the country. I don't think there's a question there. Yeah. Although it does seem like they got a little bit exposed at times versus Michigan. Is that correct? Uh, I would say I would say, to a degree. I mean, the run defense wasn't great. They gave up a lot of contains in that game. Um, they played well enough to win that game. But, yeah, there's, there's things that the defense definitely – uh, had their part in with that loss. They they lost on a couple of runs. They lost contain and let Blake Corm, Donovan Edwards get loose. And uh, Michigan ran the ball 32 consecutive times to close that game. Uh, I mean, uh, at, at some point when they're running the ball that much, you you think you have you know you you're gonna be able to find a way just to shut it down, but they never could. And I mean, uh, they punted the ball on four. They sorry punted. They went for it on fourth down late in the game, and it one play later, Blake Corum got loose off the edge and, and won the game. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I would say exposed, but it definitely showed that they have some holes. But and day, I think it's still a top five defense in the country. Do, do we know if that 32 in a row is a record? Because I feel like, and hear me out, I feel like it might get broken this weekend by Rutgers. <laughs> It may be a it may be a record against Penn State, uh, but uh, yeah, Penn State hasn't seen that much uh, rushing attempts against them in a row, probably since uh, they last played one of the uh, military academies, which has been a few years. 
Yeah, those triple option teams have to have the record yeah. there because all they do is would, run. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're right. But, I mean, Penn State, if you just look at, like, the overall defensive numbers, I'll just go through some of them with you. Yeah. Uh, they lead the FBS in turnover margin. They lead the FBS in sacks, second in total defense, seventh in time of possession, fourth in tackles for loss, second in first downs allowed, seventh in pass defense, second in rush defense, fourth in scoring defense. I mean, it's basically just a who's who of defensive stats. Yeah. You're in the top ten of basically everything. That's out of 130-some FBS programs. Is it that dominant from a week-to-week basis from what you notice, or is it? do they really beat up on bad opponents and not really show up for good ones? Um, no, I think it's I think it's pretty close to that dominant. Um, yeah, Michigan and Ohio State both had quality days against them, but, I mean, you look at that Ohio State game, they only allowed 20 points to Ohio State, which not many teams can keep the Buckeyes to that amount. And the only player in that game who the, – the game changer in that game was Marvin Harrison Jr. Is there any – is there really anybody in the country who is stopping Marvin Harrison Jr. outside of injuries this year? Probably not. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that now that's part of having a great defense, right? You've got to find a way to stop those type of guys. Um, yeah, I mean, they get a little – I don't want to say exposed, but, yeah, Ohio State and Michigan find ways to beat them a little bit more, but – you look around this defense, and I think it's why Penn State fans are so disappointed is because this is a very good to – sorry, a very, an elite defense uh, among the tops in the country. Uh, the defensive line, you're talking about Chop Robinson, a guy who's going to go potentially top 10, top 15 in this year's upcoming NFL draft. Adisa Isaac on the opposite side is another guy who probably is going day two at the latest, uh, could test well enough to go, you know uh, – late first round, early second round. They have denied Dennis Sutton, who is a sophomore, but to me is going to be, is the best pass rusher in that room. Will be a first round pick next year. Oh, well, in 2025. Um, Curtis Jacobs at linebacker has been a guy who probably goes day two. They have uh, Kalen King at corner who probably goes day, may, may be able to sneak in day one, but it's had a rough season. Probably goes day two at the worst. They have two other cornerbacks who are going to be drafted this year. Um, this is a really talented defense. And, yeah, they didn't play perfectly against Ohio State and Michigan. But at the same time, you look at it, Michigan in that game only had two full length of the field scoring drives. Um, the other ones came on short fields. And then Ohio State, outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., Penn State's offense only had – Four first downs in that game, it was a pretty poor number. Uh, I mean, and at some point, you can only ask your offense in that type of game to do – sorry, you only can ask your defense to make so many stops against that caliber of offense. And Penn State did a really good job in both. I think Michigan was kept under 300 yards. I think Ohio State maybe just got over 300 yards. But uh, they kept Ohio State's run defense to, I think, 1.8 yards per carry. And Michigan completely abandoned the run, uh, abandoned the pass uh, this past weekend because Penn State would have uh, killed J.J. McCarthy uh, in the pass rush. They were getting to him a ton early on, and uh, Michigan quit playing, you know, modern football at that point and uh, <laughs> went to the uh, the run game. But that's because they didn't think Penn State's offense could, uh, could, could score or move the ball consistently enough, which, again, comes back to – the frustrations for Penn State this season and probably why Mike Yersich ultimately got fired. 
talk, talking about the linebackers, I know you just mentioned Curtis Jacobs, um, yeah. but I think you also left out arguably the best yeah, player on I, the I team. And, on that. I, I'll yeah. see everybody who's leaving, but uh, yeah, yeah, Abdul Carter uh, hasn't had the numbers this season that maybe people expected, but I think that mm. goes throughout the entire defensive unit for Penn State. It's such a deep unit that nobody's putting up really eye-popping numbers because there's just so many guys and they can rotate. And for mm. most of Penn State's games this year, they can get in their second, third string guys in the fourth quarter, give them a ton of run late and get the starters uh, some rest. But yeah, Abdul Carter, one of the best linebackers in the country, probably has, you know, played, he, he plays well, but he kind of gets ahead of himself at times, plays a little mm. bit too fast for his own good, gets out of position at times, misses some tackles. But uh, there's not many linebackers from a talent perspective that are better in the country than him. Um, he's probably the closest thing they've had uh, in the James Franklin era outside of Micah Parsons to a Micah Parsons-type linebacker. He's not mm-hmm. that good, but, I mean, you can see the similar play styles. You can see uh, the similarities. And uh, he, again, not that good, but he, he kind of he reminds you of Parsons out there. Yeah, it's a similar number two, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's also uh, the high school teammate of Rutgers running back Sam Brown. They both went to LaSalle yep. uh, mm-hmm. right outside Philadelphia. Um, so we've talked a lot about the offense, a lot about the defense. Uh, let's kind of get into predictions here. Sure. So the line currently sits at 20 and a half. Penn State is a 20, point, 20 and a half point favorite. How do you see this game playing out? Ugly, that's, that's for sure. I mean, I, I think both these teams at this point, um, we, we talked about it before going live, you know, Rutgers at this point probably feeling um, kind of, they're beat up a little bit, back-to-back losses. This last one has to be a little bit demoralizing. Um, so Rutgers probably not feeling the best coming off these two losses. Penn State, what what is there for Penn State outside of pride to play for right now? Um, you lost your two biggest games of the season, um, both kind of in demoralizing fashion. Ohio State, despite the defensive effort, you never felt like you're in the game. Michigan quit playing modern football against you and still was able to beat you. Um, so besides pride, what does Penn State have left to play for? Obviously, a 10-win season could get to a near six bowl. But, yeah, I expect this one to be ugly. Penn State, historically, under James Franklin, doesn't bounce back well from losses. It's usually a loss or an ugly win, so I expect an ugly win in this one. But you look at it, since uh, 2014, Penn State rarely blows out Rutgers to the fashion they blow out some other opponents. Like Maryland, for example, Penn State blows out Maryland seemingly every year uh, except two in the James Franklin era, including this last this, this season, 51-15. Uh, now, Penn State will beat Rutgers comfortably historically, but you look at it, 28 nothing, 23 27-7-6, 20-7, 35-6, 39-0, 28-3. I know last year was 55-10, but outside of that, historically it, it's been Penn State plays ugly, but Rutgers just doesn't have the talent to go, you know, four quarters or two halves with Penn State, and Penn State just kind of beats up on them in the second half of games. But I expect this one to be close in the first half, and then I would assume Penn State – has enough talent to pull away. But if Rutgers covers, I wouldn't be shocked at all. What do you think, Rich? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, Rutgers is banged up. Um, 
between Kyle Mononga and I don't think he came back right on Saturday when I he mean, came he out. He played most of the game, but yeah, yeah but he when he got that last injury, I don't yeah, think he came back in. I mean, it, it was pointless at that point. Yeah, well. but I mean, the fact that he's not a hundred percent, he wasn't hundred percent going in the game, and it looked like he got dinged up again. Um, there's some other guys that are still dinged up, uh, especially on the defense. Um, Tyring Powell's out, your best linebacker by far. Um, Mayan Hanatu is, eh, if he's if he's a hundred percent, maybe. Um, there's just and Jaquay Jackson who's posting on Instagram um, like with the prayer emojis and shit, and he didn't come back into the game, so he's probably out. Um, I think there's more injuries than that, and it's just it's just not going to set up well for Rutgers. Um, I do think the defense is good enough, and Joe Harris is a good enough defensive coordinator to scheme up some things. And plus an interim OC over at Penn State, they'll be able to keep it close for maybe the first half, maybe two and a half quarters, maybe even three quarters, because Rutgers has been getting games into the fourth quarter. They just can't do anything on offense to keep it even remotely close. So I'm about, I'm going to go twenty. 28-13. I think Rutgers keeps it close, but it's just not going to be enough in the end. I don't even know if they score 13, to be honest, because this offense was bad last week. That's my concern, is that Penn State, in a lot of ways, is just a much better version of Iowa, in terms yeah. of better players at basically every place on the field, but the same <laughs> drawbacks, where their their, their passing game is, isn't as strong as their running game, their defense is elite. I don't see Rutgers being able to move the ball on Penn State. Um Especially with the banged up Kyle Manung guy who leads the, I think he still leads the Big Ten in rushing. Might. But I just, if he's banged up and there's enough game tape on Gavin at this point where, you know, you know, just make him throw and he'll, he'll bury himself. Um, I think Penn State's going to win 31 to 7. I think Rucker scores at some point, but I think this is a game while they don't blow us out, it's not going to be in doubt at any point. Um, I just really don't see Rutgers being able to put up a fight. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I guess I give my thought process. I'll probably go 31, and I'll go in the, between the middle of you two with, with Rutgers. I go 10. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they get to you know 14 points. Like I said, Penn State usually comes out flat in these types of games. Um, Indiana had some success against his Penn State defense. Now Indiana, since that Penn State game, has kind of actually had a good offense, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure Rutgers has enough weapons right now offensively uh, to put up more than maybe 14 against this Penn State defense unless Penn State just completely comes out and plays, you know, a D-level type game defensively. But, um, yeah, give me 31-10 Penn State. Uh, I, I think it's close for – a majority of the game, you know, could be maybe 17-10 going into the fourth quarter, and then Penn State gets two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to kind of seal the game. And that's what they did against uh, against uh, Maryland. Uh, that was 51-15, but Penn State scored 27 uh, fourth quarter points. So what was that? Makes it 24-15 in the fourth quarter or something like that. Yeah. So that's what I expect. I, I think I think just Iowa like had great tight ends. Or not even great tight ends. They had their third and fourth string tight ends and they exposed Rutgers. And Penn State has two pretty damn good tight ends. So it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. the linebackers are gonna have their fits, I think, for these yep. uh for Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. Tyler Warren who might be the better of the two, actually. Yeah, and I'll I'll say the one thing I'll be interested in, in seeing with the offense is, you know, um 
obviously they have two games plus a bowl game left this year for um, for the Nini line. So I do wonder if they kind of become more creative in their play calling to the point that they need to figure out what they have and what they don't have for next year, especially in that wide receiver room. So I wonder if they kind of go off script from what we've seen. I don't expect it, but if that happens, I wouldn't be surprised just because the defense should be good next year for Penn State, but the offense is going to be the major question mark again. And with Mike Yersich gone, they need to figure out what they do have, what they don't have. See, because that's going to be part of selling the next offensive coordinator because, let's be honest, an offensive coordinator taking a Penn State job probably isn't looking to be Penn State's OC for more than a season or two. So if Penn State can show, hey, we got some guys here that you can take advantage of next year, it could help attract maybe one of those better OCs for Penn State. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Drew Aller can close the season on a strong note. That's got to be an appetizing uh, situation to walk into. Maybe you could think, I turn this guy into a first-round pick. Yeah. I elevate that into a head coaching job for yeah. sure. You need to find some type – if you're in Penn State, you need to find some type of momentum, positive momentum to take into the offseason beyond maybe a New Year's Six game and a New Year's Six win. you got to find some type of identity offensively or something you can build around offensively. It gives you hope, uh, Penn State fans at least, hope, and it's the next season. Yeah, it's funny when you speak of hope in relative terms. Uh, yeah, it's... Rutgers fans' hopes to Penn State's <laughs> fans. Uh, it's, it's just a funny you know, disposition there. But uh, we really appreciate you joining us, Dylan. Where can, uh, where can people find your, your work and you on social media? Yeah, obviously you can find me over at Happy Valley Insider as well as multiple other Rivals Network sites. But on social media... You can find me at Rivals Dylan CC on uh, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that, that's where I spend most of my time over there on Twitter. Ooh, I got, I got one more for you, actually, because yeah. I've been getting some shit for this on our board. I need you to back me up here a little bit. Is Penn State a hard place to recruit? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely Thank a hard you. place to recruit. Don't um, here. <laughs> Yeah, the location is the, is the big factor there. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Big Ten fans, some Big Ten fans, some Rutgers fans who have been to Penn State, I'm sure will understand it. Penn State's a pain in the ass to get to. I mean, even yeah. if you're in state, I live about two hours away from State College, and it's a pain in the ass for me every week weekend to drive there. It's it's in the mountains. There's no major airport right in town. There's an airport in town, but it it's limited and it's it's a regional airport. Um, so not only is it tough to find flights too, but when you find those flights, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get to, which makes it tough to get, you know, unofficial visitors. And if they're from the South or the West coast, uh, they do find a way, but outside that your two major airports are four hours away and two and a half, three hours away. So it's, it's definitely a tough place to recruit to because of that. Um, they're, they've been recruited more nationally, but, not a lot of Southern kids want to come play up north, especially where it's cold in the mountains. Uh, there's nothing around Penn State for those who've been there. You can attest to that. It's just mountains and forests and trees. If you like nature, it's great for you. But if you like just having one college, if you want more than just one little college town, then it's not going to be the place for you. It's definitely a tough place to recruit. But I mean, again, it's all kind of relative. Um, Rutgers location is probably better, but there probably makes things tougher for Rutgers to recruit to Rutgers. And, you know, 
Penn State has difficulties. But compared to the programs Penn State wants to compare itself to, yeah, it's it's tough to recruit. Interesting. Relative. Yeah, relative. I think yeah, <laughs> all relative for sure. Because I think Rutgers would love to have Penn State's problems on the football court on the football field. Um, but it is what it is. Thanks again for joining us, Dylan. Uh, to everybody else, thanks for listening. This has been another edition of the Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.